Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Our co-host, Charlie, is not here right now, but I am on the line with Mike Viola, who's the head of analytics over at the Foundation for Economic Education and a Young Voices contributor. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing just fine, just fine. Now, we got this uh, this ESG conversation on deck. You had an article uh, that was published in Town Hall. I was reading through, and of course, as we discussed beforehand, it's fun to kind of make fun of Bud Light. Uh, I know... All the jokes have already been told about this whole situation. Uh, but let's talk about the broader ESG conversation and how we might have to continue dealing with this absolute blunder that Bud Light made. Yeah. So um, as I'm assuming a lot of your listeners already know, but of course, Bud Light released a strange collaboration with Dylan Mulvaney. Um, a TikToker who, you know, is trans. That's not really the problem I have. It's that, you know, it engages a lot of silly female and childish stereotypes. Um, As we kind of heard the explanation from Bud Light's marketing people at, you know, the parent company, Anheuser-Busch, we found out that a lot of the motivation behind it was that um, they wanted a, a lighter and brighter and different brand, and they didn't like the fratty and masculine history of the brand. Um, a lot of people have pointed out that uh, this is essentially a, a lot of coded language related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? They didn't like their traditionally masculine conservative audience and instead wanted to branch out to different um groups particularly the trans community which is you know 0.5% of the population but very important for diversity focused folks um so as as you may have heard their organizations like the human rights campaign put out indexes rating companies as to their diversity scores, both in their marketing and on the inside, like, you know, how many, you know, trans women of color on the board, et cetera. Um, And then those feed into ESG scores. Um, ESG is kind of a scary word that's been going around, but uh, it stands for environmental, social and governance investing. People who make investment decisions use it oftentimes to treat those three words as risk factors. Um, And within that social risk, people think a lack of diversity is one of them. Um, And so this whole scandal is kind of downstream from the fact that people are using not value-based criteria when they make investment decisions. That was the, as you kind of alluded to, I don't have an issue with the trans part of the advertising. It was actually just a really terrible business decision. And that's why, to me, it was such a dumb move. And it also seemed like they were trying to infuriate a large part of their clientele, which I just, I can't figure out why you would want to do that. I'm also intrigued by this idea of in- inclusivity, and I'm, I'm probably just privileged being a straight white male. I don't have to think about these things, but I don't understand having inclusive marketing. Like when I look at marketing, I'm just, I'm just thinking, okay, is this a, does this add value? Is it worth the money I'm going to pay for it? Does this solve a problem that I have? Is is this something I want? But apparently you're supposed to show every single group of people that it's okay for them to drink your product. What, what do you think about that? Right. Well, it's 
hard for me to believe that the 0.5% of the population <laughs> that's trans and even, you know, their allies will only drink a beer because they see an influencer drinking it. Um, I, I think more at the core of it is that they, they have kind of lost track of what inclusivity means, right? Like Bud Light is famous for being cheap. Like what's more mm. inclusive than that? Yeah. Um, they could have leaned into that. They could have made it a more compelling option for people. Um, and if they really thought the brand, which is well established for decades and decades now, if they really thought the brand didn't line up with the target audience that they wanted, well, launch a new brand <laughs> geared towards that audience instead. Um, it's just, it's, this is such an unforced error of, I guess, brand suicide of what was the the biggest, you know, by volume selling beer in the United States. Um, it, it just, it really makes you wonder. Um, and while I look, as you said, it was a bad decision. They clearly thought it was a good one, which mm. sort of shows that like these, these, uh, I hate the overused term, but these woke investing formats have actually really lost, really clouded the, the conception of what actually makes value in a business. They didn't know that this would ruin their business. And the fact that they didn't understand that from the get go is the worrying part. Then the other thing, before we get into the bigger ESG conversation, which we'll definitely do, we'll stick on Bud Light here for a minute. They didn't, they didn't release a, not really an apology, but it was a reaffirmation of their uh, their true beliefs as a business. And it was all raw, raw America, everything that you can think of. It was cringe as hell, if you ask me. They, they The statement was, and then the the actual ad that they put out was just ridiculous. It was like a parody of a pro-American ad, in, in my opinion. Instead of, you know, instead of saying maybe we were wrong to do this, I realize our clientele is a big issue with this. They tried, now they're trying to win both sides. Do you think that's going to be possible? I don't think they'll never come back from it, but um, I, I, I think it'll be tough and people will remember what they did, right? Like people, people follow the controversy as it makes the news rounds. I don't really think they care about like a fluffy statement from the Anheuser-Busch CEO Right. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, he, he was playing up like something along the lines of, you know, we've supported first responders and the military and sports fans, um, you know, not, yeah. nothing along the lines of like these silly TikTokers. Um, but it I don't I, I think the damage is essentially done again. It doesn't mean it's never coming back, but um, they've now pointlessly created the association between themselves and um, a public figure who probably more people view negatively than positively. So that that's kind of what I, I would think they've really messed up on. More people will think twice before ordering a Bud Light uh, than would have mm -hmm. otherwise. So it inevitably will be likely to, to hurt sales, I, I would say, and we have seen it hurt sales so far. Um, Okay, on the ESG side, so they do this to get a better score. Now, why would a business care about getting better ESG scores? Because a lot of the biggest asset managers, the people who run the funds in your 401k or IRA, a lot of them um, had started making decisions based on those ESG criteria. And so they think if a big mutual fund run by Vanguard or 
BlackRock won't buy their stock, that it'll hurt the stock price in the long run, um, right? That they think these ES, you know, not living up to these ESG criteria will um, lead to lower investment, lower demand for for their shares, and that that will that will hold them back. Um, and in a case like this, it was obviously wrong because you know I, I think they depending at the point in the controversy, they dipped as much as I think 6 billion in market cap over the course of the controversy. So, you know, adhering to the ESG line uh, didn't do what it was supposed to do. But, um, you know, the the concern, while I, I guess I sort of understand it at a very superficial level, they never really thought through like, well, what's more important, appealing to our audience or appealing to these criteria that the people we sell to will never see, but some guy at Vanguard might. <laughs> um, it was a silly, well, it was a balancing act, and they they made a very silly decision in that balancing act. What's interesting, uh, I try to figure out if we're going to be able to counteract the ESG, and you would you would think the free market will be the way to counteract businesses doing things like this. And then I look at uh, I look at Anheuser Busch's uh, stock price, and it's actually basically even. They've hardly lost anything since this whole controversy happened. And then what I wonder is if these ESG investing firms are just going to make up for whatever market loss takes place when they do make these bad decisions because they made it for a better ESG or DEI score. And is that actually going to remove these businesses from market forces? And how long can that survive? Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. I would maybe push back on the idea that... Um, Anheuser-Busch was insulated from market forces. I mean, they did have, they did indeed have to fire mm-hmm. the executive associated with the decision. And, you know, while I don't support cancel culture, it's not <laughs> like she was standing up for any great cause. She was actually just being very bad at her job by, yeah. <laughs> you know, making that decision. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually gave the signal to investors that, you know, Anheuser-Busch was indeed safe to invest in again. Um, I don't actually think that being insulated from market forces is the real problem here. Um, because I think a, if another company did what Bud Light did, I, I honestly think that the bash, the backlash could be just as severe. It might get worse as people wise up to it. Um, that's not really what I'm worried about. I'm more worried that, you know, this is sort of a, a bigger picture thing, but as ESG becomes more acceptable in these isolated groups, more companies will make very bad business decisions, and that will just simply hold back the American economy, right? They will, they've kind of bought the ESG BS that it's a risk mitigation system, you know, like keeping out mm-hmm. those environmental or social risks when actually in this case, it was a huge risk factor, right? They increase their risk by taking this stupid partnership. Um, and I worry as people graduate from schools where hard skills are de-emphasized, um, woke ideology is prioritized, and they get funneled right into these marketing and HR departments, that more people will use this as a rubric for making decisions. And you know, it might hurt their companies. That's totally true. I, I don't even worry about that. It's just companies will be less value-focused, and in the long run, that will hurt the American economy. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Think about this with me, folks. Seriously, I want you to think about it for a minute. Over the past week, 
how much time did you spend on yourself, on things that you needed and wanted versus the amount of time you spent on other people? I mean, actually, what's the answer to that? For me, I don't even want to tell you the ratio. It's not that great. It's easy to get caught up worrying about everyone else and what makes them happy. And then a couple months go by and you're like, whoa, what about me? What do I need? Therapy can help you strike a better balance in your life so you can continue being a great friend or a great family member without getting stretched too thin and burn out. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, flexible, and convenient. Just fill out a few questions on the website to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Hey, listen, my life was changed because I chose to go to therapy. Charlie still uses BetterHelp. He's been using it for a few years. He loves it, loves the app. Seriously, if you're thinking about this, I highly recommend BetterHelp. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GML. Because they don't have to focus on creating more value for their customers and being the actual uh, the actual best brand creating that. They just have to focus on having the best ESG score uh, so they can get that money. I, yeah, totally, totally understand that. That's where I hope that hopefully in a competitive market, then other businesses that can produce better value for the consumers will come in and that's when those businesses will be susceptible to the market forces and they'll see we're losing out. We're not making any money. I get it. We've got all the right diversity hires in here, but no one buys our product anymore. So this is weird. And we keep getting all this money from these investment firms. Eventually the investment firms have to say, okay, well, everyone's actually buying Coors Light. They're not buying Bud Light. Maybe we shouldn't be investing in this product whose sales are going down every year. And so I hope that those free market forces, free, I got to put free in quotations, you know, it's a a thing you got to do. The free market forces will actually solve this. Do you think that they, so it's not just the economic, what about the cultural play that they could be making? Do you ever worry about that side or is it mainly the economic side? I really don't think people listen to these companies in in taking their values. And I actually think they, um, again, when they try to make these cultural plays, they alienate more people than they did. This is an obvious case, but you might remember the one that really stands out to me is a recent Super Bowl, maybe it was 2019, uh, Gillette or Procter & Gamble, their parent company, put out a Gillette ad for men's razors complaining about toxic masculinity, right? Like, <laughs> I don't I don't think that's yeah. going to work, right? Um, I just, I feel like every time a major move like this has been done by, by big corporations, it is not um, resolved to their benefit. So I don't, again, I don't really think that downstream from these issues, people are going to change their views because they see you know, Bud Light modeling bad behavior. I think it's really that economic area that worries me more. I mean, you could maybe say that like, you know, the cultural and economic bit are intertwined, right? That as woke values prioritize actual hard data analysis and knowing your audience will be deprioritized. Um, but I, I think in the end that that has a bigger impact on the economic side. What do you think about some of these bills uh, trying to prevent the, uh, investment firms from taking ESG into account or say when they're investing public money, uh, the public funds, things like that. Biden had his first had a had his first veto that had to do with ESG investment. Uh, what's your take on what's been going on around the country on that? Yeah, I think there's a fine line to walk because again, I totally agree with you that private private companies should, you know, 
experience the consequences of the market. And you know what? If they if ESG products aren't competitive, you know, they should find that out through market forces instead of the government getting in the way. But lots of public pensions around the US um have some sort of ESG component or are involved with um say Vanguard or BlackRock, those sorts of big companies that oftentimes use ESG screens. Um, I think what a lot of governors have done is pretty commendable. Um, you know, I you, you may know over the past year or so, I think 18, don't quote me on the exact number, but 18 or so um red states have made actions towards getting ESG out of their portfolios. And that was very much a wise move. Um, I think Ron DeSantis was maybe the most notable example. He um, banned what he called non-pecuniary factors from factoring into state investment plans. So that means um, you know anything that is not a, a financial consideration. There's a here's the the problem with the SG. It's that when they talk about environmental, social, and governance risk factors, at face value, that's actually correct. Occasionally, those factors may indeed have a factor, right? Like if um, a company is dumping um, huge amounts of waste, um, right? That would mm. be that you would indeed consider that to be a business risk. As a, coincidentally, Anheuser Busch um, is boycotted by a lot of ESG focused funds because of their poor wastewater management. Um, <laughs> maybe that's a, a secret. Part of this that everybody's ignoring um, or like the G governance. Wouldn't you want to know that a company is well run? Like, I don't know why that needed an acronym to be involved. Um, so those extremely rare use cases, technically speaking, can still be used in Florida. But the ideological ESG, um, especially that social component that nobody really has any legitimate justification for. Um, have been removed, and I totally think that's the right move. Um, downstream from that, companies like Vanguard and BlackRock have moved to defense. Um, Vanguard has cut some of its ESG offerings, and Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, has made a big effort at kind of rebranding themselves and turning away from the ESG side a little more. Um, I think, you know, again, I don't really support state intervention. I don't really think these governors moves as state intervention. I think it's separating big business from the state. Um, and if that puts these guys on the ropes and they understand that they don't have just a big default chunk of public change to promote these ESG funds with, I think that's a huge improvement. Totally agree. Uh, before we go, I want, uh, I'm sure all of our listeners know, but if they don't, why don't you tell everyone about, about fee? We, we do a lot of articles from there. So what do you guys do over there at the uh, foundation for economic education? Yeah, he's a nonprofit and a think tank. We've been around for over 75 years. Um, we were founded to, well, it, it's in the name, <laughs> to educate young people on economics. Um, we have in-person programs with uh, students in high school and college um, all over the U.S. and Latin America. We'll do a webinar with, you know, anywhere that they're willing to speak English or Spanish. Uh, we put out all sorts of online content on the fee online handle on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we have a few video series on our YouTube page as well. And it's really just uh, about educating young people on the freedom philosophy um, and notions of personal liberty 
economic freedom and uh, really making sure that young people bring that into their adulthood to live fulfilling lives outside of, you know, thinking of yourself as a, a recipient of, of state help and that sort of thing. Yeah, I also, uh, I really like, I'm not sure if you guys are still doing it, but there's a lot of videos on YouTube and on your website where you do these movie breakdowns and you'll, mm -hmm. a, a lot of times what I enjoy is you'll take a scene from a movie and like how it can apply to real life or what it's like in real life. And, and there's a lot of shorts uh, that come from uh, on your YouTube page as well uh, that break these down. Those are always at the top of my list to to watch all the time. I've been been watching them for a bit, but I might've seen something that saying that there weren't going to be uh, a, a many more of those. So I might, I maybe I shouldn't have advertised it. <laughs> I don't know. We, so we are still doing them. We okay. no longer, we're not doing the full length ones of about 20 minutes of what we okay. used to do, but we're still doing shorts and we're, we're doing some like five to eight minute long ones as well. Um, but yeah, we really love, uh, leaning into kind of the pop culture elements, movies that, that, display both um the freedom philosophy or um you know non-freedom philosophies mm -hmm. that you don't want to emulate and we'll explain why but uh yeah that's uh been a really great way to connect with people and uh so probably my favorite fee product as well i've actually watched a couple movies that i hadn't watched before because i saw the fee shorts pop mm -hmm. up on youtube so uh, they're really great i recommend everyone go check those out uh mike where can everyone go to follow your content yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MF underscore Viola. Someone stole the non underscore version before I got to it. Um, and <laughs> uh, you can find some of my work uh, on the Young Voices website um, and a handful of scripts that I contributed to Fee's videos on Fee's YouTube channel. All right. Thanks so much for your time. Been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Nate.